to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. This morning, I want to uh, begin a brand new series of sermons with you this morning that I'm preaching. I'm calling Strength for the Journey. I have been uh, preparing for our marriage conference, and I have discovered in God's Word that in the beginning that God created a man, God created a woman. Both man and woman were perfect. And then took, God took this man, God took this woman, and he placed them in a garden of Eden, and that place was perfect also. But sin entered into the world, and I got some bad news for you, but we are not in Eden anymore. We are in a rough, rough world. For 6,000 years, sin has, has uh, taken its toll on God's people, and, and God... Is now, Johnny, just let me have your Bible. I don't know where mine is. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 12. Last time I saw it was laying on this table. Darn deacons. <laughs> this morning, as I begin this new series... I'm going to be preaching on strength for the journey. And I'm preaching on just stuff that the believer walks through every day. Next Sunday morning, I'm going to preach on depression. You may say, well, pastor, I'm not depressed. Well, you come back next Sunday morning and I'll depress you. You come back. And we, you know what? The believer, the child of God, we walk through all kinds of stuff every day. And you know what? The Word of God gives us strength for the journey. Listen to this. All of God, all, pe all the people who say, accept Christ and your troubles will end, did not get that idea from the Bible. All people have problems, including Christians. Walking with the Lord is not easy. The Christian life is not hard. It is impossible. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit. In John chapter number 16, Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples. And as he was in the upper room, he was getting ready to go to the cross. He told his disciples this. He said, it is better for you that I'll go away. It is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I go away, I will send to you a helper. And that helper will come to you, but he will not come unless I go away. Everything I attempt in the name of Jesus, I expect to be hard. When the Holy Spirit clearly speaks to me and gives me specific instructions straight from the throne of God... I expect to be a complete and total failure unless the Holy Spirit steps in to help me. Listen, church. Listen, child of God. We need to be in over our head. If we can do anything in our own power, anything in our own strength, if we can do anything apart from God, it will amount to nothing. God has placed us in this place. He has called us to a work. He has called us to do something bigger than we are. The Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter number 12, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, Therefore, 
we also sense are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with patience, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Look at the word race. The English word race appears twice in the New Testament. Once it appears in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, where Paul said this, Those of you who run a race, you need to run as though you're going to get a prize. You need to run as though you're going to get a crown. You need to run in such a way to obtain that crown. And that word race in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, it means a course. It means a stadium. It means race. That's what the word means. Here in the... Uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1, the word race is, is a Greek word. It's the Greek word number 73. It's the Greek word agon. It's, it, it, it's where we get our word agony, and the word agony means conflict. It means contention. It means fight. Remember this. The Christian life is not hard. The Christian life is impossible. This race is hard. It means fight. It means conflict. It means contention. It means strive. It means strain. It is in the English where we get the word agony. Can you tell me a place in the scriptures where agony took place? Calvary, the cross. It was excruciating. It was painful. When you walk with the Lord, the day that you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, the day that he placed you in the race, your race was personal, your race was permanent, you're going to run that race, and one of these days you're going to finish the race, and when you finish the race, you're going to run smack dab into Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of your face. But listen, the race is hard. I can read this passage. And I can change two words in the passage, and, and, and it doesn't change the passage at all. It says this, that let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us fight with endurance the fight that is set before us. This word race means effort. It means strain. Now let me ask you something. You two boys, you're on the front row. Come here a minute. I'm going to show you something. Now, you just do what I tell you, okay? okay? Now, don't ask no questions. Just do what I tell you. Lay down. Lay down. Lay down. Uh, how bad your kidney stone? Come here. Come on. Come here. Hey, c come here. You, come here. Yeah, lay down. Lay down. Lay down. Now, listen. All right, get on top of him here. Me? Nope, all of you. Now get down there. Get on him. No, not. No, no. Here, hold, just hold him down. Just hold him down. Has no, let me ask you a question. Has nobody in this room ever played strain? Y'all know how to play this game? Okay, now listen. Shh, listen. Jacob, are you listening, Jacob? Listen. Now, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the race. I'm talking about walking with God. I'm talking about straining. I'm talking about strife. I'm talking about effort. Now listen. I'm going to count to three, and you get up. Listen. Don't you let him up. Okay? Are you ready? Praying for you. 
One, two, three. Come, get up, get up, get up. Come on, get up, get up. Come on. Don't, hold him, hold him. Get, uh, hold it, hold it, hold it. Stop, uh, uh, hold it, uh, stop, hold it, hold it, uh, hold it right there. Uh, look. Oh, crap. Uh, hold Stand up. Don't, don't, don't ever say crap in church, okay? I said cramp. I said cramp. Oh, you said cramp. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hang, hang, listen, hang on. Now look, you're, wait right there, guys. Wait, are you okay? Yeah. But you almost had them, you know? You know? And we're going to do it one more time. Huh? You going to do it one more time? I guess. Huh? One more time. Here we go. No. Oh, no. Here we go. You ready? They're ready? One. Get down here. Don't let him up. Don't let him up. One. Two. Come on, Jacob, you can do it. Three. Go, Jacob. Go. 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 Okay. All right. That's good. That's all right. All right. Now, listen. You know what? I showed you in the Greek, I showed you the word, what it meant. It meant strain, it meant effort, it meant, it meant that I just drew you a picture of what it's like to walk with the Lord. This is hard. And, and the word for today, next week we're preaching on, on depression. But today I want to preach to all the people of God who belong to the Lord, who, who, who are in the fight, who are in the race, but, but you have hit the wall. And, 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 and you have done all that you know to do, and you've been walking and serving the Lord, and all of a sudden, you're out of strength. If you're going to walk with the Lord, if you're going to be a child of God, you must have the discipline of an athlete, the endurance of a marathon runner, and the determination of a champion. Walking with the Lord is hard. Now, Show me, Pastor, somewhere in the Scripture. Show me in the Scripture somewhere where there was a man that was walking with you, a, a believer that was walking with you, following you, and, and they were doing what you had called them to do. And show me where they hit the wall. See, this is important. Because every believer has a time in their walk with the Lord when they hit the wall. You're walking with God, and you're serving God, and you're doing what He's called you to do, and all of a sudden you have no strength, you have no energy, you've lost your will. And you know what? When that happens, every believer will turn to a drug. Some of you will turn to an 80-hour work week, and that'll be your drug. Some of you will turn to bad relationships. You're walking with God and you're serving God. You've hit the wall. You need something to help you out. And your drug has, has become your job. Listen, the only help for a child of God that's running the race, the only opioid for a child of God that's fighting the fight is God's Word. Anything else will not do it. Turn with me in the Old Testament to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter number 4. Nehemiah was doing good. He was the cupbearer for the king of Persia. He had a great job. And all of a sudden, God spoke to him and said, I need you to return to Jerusalem. I need you to go back. The wall has been torn down. The city has been decimated. And I need you to go back, uh, Nehemiah. I need you to go back and, and build the wall. And Nehemiah being faithful to his God. Well, how hard could this be? 
I'll just go build this wall and then I'll return and I'll come right back to where, where this place of service, Nehemiah chapter number four, beginning in verse number six, the Bible said this. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. Now listen. If you study the entire passage, you'll discover that Nehemiah built the wall in 52 days. Verse number 6 says that they're halfway done. So half of 52 is 26. They've been working on this wall for 26. And look at this. For the people had a mind to work. What would happen if every child of God in this room put their mind together to work for God 26 days in a row. You know what would happen? This whole city would get saved. But these people, they had a mind to work. They were building the wall. Now it happened that Sanibel, Tobiah, and the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the Ashnites heard the wall of Jerusalem were being restored, and the gaps were beginning to be closed, and they were angry. Sounds like church to me. There's this church down the road, and they're doing good, and they're building walls, and they're, they're ministering, and they're doing peace. And, and all of a sudden, their enemies come together, and they hear that there's something good going on, and they begin to form this plan. Verse number 10 says this, Then Judah... The word then, T-H-E-N, in Scripture is a very important word. After Nehemiah had left the king, after he had returned to Jerusalem, after he had the wall half built, after these enemies had begun to come against them, verse number 10 says, Then Judah, Judah is a very important tribe in the nation of Israel, one of the twelve sons. Judah means praise. Judah is the tribe from which the Christ child is going to come from, Genesis chapter 49. Then Judah said, we're talking about strength for the journey. We're talking about running the race. We're talking about doing good for God. And then all of a sudden we hit the wall. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing. And there is much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. When running the race, believers get tired. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse number 10, Judah said this, The laborers is failing. They're getting tired. They're getting fatigued. They worked 26 days in a row, and they were tired. God created the heavens and the earth in six days. You know what he did on the seventh day? He rested. You know what I'm going to do this afternoon? I'm going to go home. I'm going to go and turn on the Hallmark Channel. And I'm going to take a nap. You know why? Because this is the day of rest. It's the day of... On the Sabbath day, you ought to go to church. And you ought to worship. You know what? You're tired. You work a lot. I can remember one time when I worked at Eagle Bay Manufacturing, I worked 35 days in a row. And you know what, what, what people will tell you that's in the production and in the workforce? You know what they'll tell you? When someone gets tired, their production goes down, injuries go up. 
You know what? Sometimes the child of God, we just get physically tired. See, there was Judah. He, he, he said, we're tired. They were fatigued. But Judah also heard in verse number 11, he was hearing these things. And the adversaries said, he was physically tired and he was listening to a lot of negative talk. Listen, negative people, you are wearing me out. You're killing me. Hush. The next time you're with your family or you're with your wife or your husband, you're with your your co-workers, and you start being negative, I pray that the Holy Spirit will allow you to see Pastor Wayne stand on the stage in front of 200 people and go like this. Shuddy, shuddy, hush. Negative people make you... This people of praise... Judah was... This this was the house of worship. Judah was. But they got working. And they got tired. And then everybody listening to all this negative word, word. When running the race, believers lose their vision. Judah said that the strength of the laborers is failing, and there is much rubbish. The word rubbish means debris. Can you imagine this city had been under attack many times? They had torn down the wall, and now there was all kinds of debris. There was all kinds of rubbish laying around. In the King Wayne, it says this, it was all kinds of gom. And these people were not focused on the wall. They were focused on the debris. They, they lost their vision. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2, that we need to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. When you're working with God, when you're working for God, when you're walking with Him, sometimes we get our eyes off Him and we, get, we lose our vision. And when we lose our vision, we, 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 lose our, we get tired, we get fatigued, and, and, and we lose our heart. When running, with, running the race, believers oftentimes lose their confidence. Watch what happened. After they saw the rubbish, Judah said this, We are not able to build the wall. Doubt is the number one killer of your dream. I preached a series of sermons a long time ago that impacted nobody's life except mine. It's called the six stages of faith. And there's there six stages of faith. There's the dream, there's the decision, the delay, the difficulty, the dead end, and the deliverance. Every child of God in their heart, they have a dream. You may not admit it, you may not talk about it, but deep down in your heart, there's a dream. And this dream is so big, you will be a complete and total failure Unless God steps in to help you. Finally, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you make a decision, I'm going to chase that dream. And the next thing you know, doubt sets in. God has called you to do something bigger than you, and you get to doing what God's called you to do, and the next thing you know, you hit a bump in the road, and you run out of money here, and somebody's over here complaining, and what, and what happened? Doubt has set in. And your dream begins to die. 
See, there's a pattern here. You got saved. God placed you in the race. The race is hard. You're straining. You're giving all kinds of effort. And the next thing you know, you're tired. And the next thing you know, you've lost your vision. Now, you've lost your confidence. You know what? The Bible says this, that I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. Now, I don't believe that I have the ability as a 56-year-old pastor to stand up here and throw a 95-mile-an-hour curveball. I don't care how big Jesus Christ is in me. I can't, my arm cannot do that. But you know what? He's called me to do some things. And everything he's called me to do is bigger than me. That which I have been called to do, if I keep my eyes on the Lord, I can't do, but he can. And when God does, when, when Wayne does something, it's not that big a deal. But when God does something, he'll stand up through all of eternity. Look what happened. They got tired, lost their vision, lost their confidence. They began to doubt. And their adversary said, can you imagine this? You're working and you're building and you're, you're doing a good thing, you're building a wall, and your enemy said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause them to cease their work. They lost their security. Anytime you're in the hands of God, anytime you're doing God's will, there is not a more safe place than you can be. Actually, you're treading on thin ice. Actually, you're in big trouble when you're outside of God's will. I love to listen to these missionaries as they tell their stories, as they go into other parts of the world. And Bill Kerr, we talk about the Muslim people and how mean they are and how scared we are. And Bill Kerr comes back because God has placed him in a place and because God has called him to a certain work. He talks about how sweet they are. talks about how much he loves them. You know what? He hasn't lost his vision. He hasn't lost his confidence. He's keeping his eyes on Jesus Christ. You know what? Sometimes the child of God, we get to run in the race. Do you know what I'm talking about? You get to run in the race, and you hit the wall. This is what I've been told. I don't know this to be a fact, and I never will know this to be a fact, because... I don't run. If you see me out running, stop and check on me. Pray, because something's wrong. But these marathon runners, 26.2 miles. It's only 18 miles from here to New River. 26.2 miles. They say their biggest enemy is what when they hit that wall. They've got to make a decision. Okay, I've hit this wall of fatigue. This is a good time to quit. Because I'm tired. I'm hurting. But wait. I've trained. 
I've disciplined myself. I'm, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to fight through this. I'm going to go 26.2. You know what? Hearing God's word, as we look at Nehemiah and as we look at him build this wall and we look at the struggle that he went through, by, the Bible shows us something right here. It shows us how we can start over. We've hit the wall. We've ran our race. Now we're out of gas. Now we need something to pick us up. We need to start over. Look what happened in verse number 13. Therefore, this is Nehemiah talking, therefore I position men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings and at and set the people according to their families. Number one, Nehemiah restored the family. You know, you're working 26 days in a row, you're tired, you've lost your vision, you've lost your security. That's going to impact your family. There's going to be trouble. It's going to be, be strife. But what Nehemiah did, he, he took time and he carefully assembled those people. And he placed them in families. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, Brother Wayne, you don't know my family. You know what? There's strength in the family. Every time we come together at Thanksgiving, Christmas, or whenever it is... We go to my sister's house. We gather around there. My brother-in-law, Gary West, he puts emphasis on praying for the family. I think about teams, sporting teams. They're you got this good basketball team, this good football team, and, and they've hit the wall, and, and now they're, they're, they're losing their confidence. They, they've lost their, their, their vision. These good teams, what they'll do is that they'll call all the team together, and they'll ask the coaches to leave the room, and they'll come together, and they'll sit down, and they'll have a good heart-to-heart talk, and they come out as a better team. That's what happened here. Nehemiah made sure that all of these hurting, struggling people came together as a family. He positioned them with their families, with their swords, with their spears, and with their bows. And I looked and rose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid. Remember the Lord. You've hit the wall. You restored your family. Here's the second thing you need to do. You need to remember the Lord. How do you remember the Lord? Well, you remember His Word. Let me tell you something, church. We're trying to do what God's called us to do apart from His Word. It will not work. I can remember when I was at Cumberland College, and I was in a class, 8 o'clock class, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and the name of the class was called The Environment and Man. And the only person in that class dumber than me was my professor. <laughs> Are we on Facebook? <laughs> Did I tell y'all why I went to Berea? <laughs> Berea, that's where I went. 
Uh, you know, I'm in this class, 8 o'clock in the morning, long way from home. I want to I go to college about as bad as I want to have a root canal. And I'm, I'm in this class, and I hate it. And one day, this crazy professor comes in, and he reaches in his pocket, and he pulls out a copy of God's Word. And I'm ready to jump off a bridge. And he said this, When I was in the World War II, they gave me this Bible. And I was in combat. And I reached into my pocket, and I pulled out this Bible, and it fell to Isaiah chapter 26, verse number 2, where the Bible says, Thou will keep thee in perfect peace whose mind has stayed upon you because you have trusted in him. Every time I hit the wall, that passage of Scripture comes to mind. See, you've got to remember the Lord. You've got to remember his faithfulness. I, I, wish, I wish I could just tell you all the times that God has been faithful to me. If you go back here to our, I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you this or not, but what the heck. You go back here to this Family Life Center, and, and, and you can walk around that track 17 times, and it's a mile. I've been told. I've never done it. But many, many times I, I have been sitting at my desk and I walked over to that back wall and I looked out that window at that blue house that's burned. Probably for 10 years I've prayed and asked the Lord to give me, give Main Street that house. You know what? Main Street Church owns that piece of property today. Did the Lord give it to you? No, he didn't. We paid $4,500 for the house. And you know what you know? You should have said amen. <laughs> because, you know what? You know what I just discovered? Nobody in this house has prayed for that house except me. <laughs> and I got it, and you all say amen. amen. You're going to come by here one of these days, and it's going to be gone. And you're going to say, I remember how our God was faithful to our pastor because he prayed. You know what? I believe God's going to give us this city just like he gave us that house. Look here, Nehemiah. I'll ask you a question. I'll say no. Have I been preaching long? And it happened. <laughs> and it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had brought their plot to nothing. All these people had this plan against Nehemiah, and it came to nothing. That all of us returned to the wall, starting over. Nehemiah recalled his calling. Sometimes you just got to remember what God's called you to do. You do what you call Stay in your lane. 
Don't get called up in a bunch of other stuff. You keep focused and you do what God called you to do. Maybe you're beating your head against the wall. Maybe you're praying and you're calling out to God. How many people in here have prayed and prayed and prayed, asking God to save their family, and they prayed and they prayed, and they had to stop praying one day? God would not have done what it, but there was a time after many years of praying, their loved one came to Christ. You know what? There's people here this morning that have prayed and prayed and prayed about a matter. You know what you need to do? You need to keep praying. You need to stay faithful because God can do what he says he will do. You need to remember what your call is, and then you need to remain balanced. So, verse number 16, so it was from that time on. See, they've... They returned to the wall, and from that time on, Nehemiah said, Half my servants worked at construction, while the other half held spears, the shields, and the bows, and wore armor. And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Nehemiah remained balanced. He took half his people. And they worked on the wall. And he took the other half of his people, and they were at battle. Listen, you need to be aware of the Christian that's always wanting to fight. Always wanting to, you know, wanting to, wanting to, there's going to be somebody that's wanted, going to jump me between here and the back door about that $4,500 house. They're going to, I'm, I'm, come on, I'm ready today. You've got to be worried about that. That's always wanting to fight. You know what? Washington, D.C., we need to stop fighting. We need to come together. I don't know why I did that. I wasn't what I wanted to say. I wanted to say we need to stop fighting. You've got to be weary of that believer that's always wanting to fight. You've got to be weary of the, of the believer that never wants to fight. Sometimes you've got to stand your ground. I about got in a fight right there where Stumpy Faust is sitting one, one Sunday night after church. John and I were, we went down to a little place in Oak Ridge to eat, and I had on a Main Street church. And this guy came up and spoke to me. and said, I'm going to go to a good church. I'm going to come pray for you. Come on, knock yourself out, buddy. Come on. Come pray. One Sunday night, he showed up right there. And I preached. Sunday night preaching around here is real, real bad. And he showed up on an on a extremely bad preaching night. And after everybody had cleared out, I wasn't in a good mood because of my own preaching. He came up to me and he said, let me tell you what you need to do. And I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, let me tell you something. You don't need to tell me anything. I've thrown two people out of Main Street Church. And he was the first one. And he hasn't been back. But I wasn't going to stand there and listen to that man who didn't know anything about me, didn't know anything about our town, tell me how to pastor this church. Thank you, Denise. That's right. <laughs> Some, somebody has to stand up for the people of God. And not everybody knows, including me, how to run a church. But I've been called to this one. And this is, this is the word where the Lord's going to use me. And I cannot listen to every voice. I've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. 
Have you been running the race and you're tired? You've hit the wall. You've lost your vision. You've lost your confidence. You've lost your security. Pastor, I have chosen to quit the race. You can't. You cannot quit the race. The race is permanent. You can get in your lane and you can stop running and you can sit down on the race, but sit down on the track, but one of these days you're going to hit the tape. You're going to run into Jesus. And you're going to say, Jesus, I quit. And he's going to look at you and say, aren't you glad I didn't quit? Aren't you glad that I pressed on to Calvary? Aren't you glad that I finished the race? Will you bow your heads with me, please? As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Where are you this morning in the race, in the fight? Where are you? Do you just need to be strengthened, lifted up? Are you thinking about quitting? God's Word says you can't. God's Word says press on. This morning, I want to challenge you as we begin a brand new year together. And maybe, maybe it's just a difficult time in your... Would you come and just get on the altar and pray? Maybe, maybe you're looking for a church. You know what? Main Street Church is attacking the lost and dying world. We need you here. If you've been thinking about it and praying about whether you should join this church, this is, I, the Holy Spirit just told me to tell you this is the day. Maybe you're here this morning you want to give your heart to Christ. Maybe you've been running a race and you don't have strength for the journey. Maybe you didn't know about giving, uh, asking God to forgive you, making Jesus Christ Lord of your life. Maybe you didn't know those things. Maybe you don't even know how to do it now. You come and I'll show you how. I'll help you. But in just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. Now listen. You've heard the word and the word has penetrated your heart. And now that wrestling match with you and the enemy has started. Don't go there. Be strong and courageous. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. You be first. Come quickly. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.